0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God, He loves you, and He wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. How I many y'all glad that you came to Freedom Sunday this morning? Isn't Jesus awesome? I love the Lord so much, man, I love Him so much. Um, what a great day today. Listen, if it's your first time here at Abundant Life, we just want to take a moment. We want to, we want to officially welcome you today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm Pastor Sean, and on behalf of our church, we're so glad that you would give part of your weekend, and specifically our Independence Weekend. We know it's not the fourth today, but there's something about celebrating the independence of our nation And I love it even as as it was spoken, what Andrew mentioned earlier, the greatest freedom that we have is the freedom to worship. There's many nations around the world that's not free to gather together such as this and to just lift up the name of Jesus. And so I think it's important to note that we don't take for granted the fact that we get to speak the name of Jesus as loudly and as proudly as our heart desires. And the fact that we can come together in this capacity and just say, Jesus You are powerful and awesome. We love you. Isn't that a joy? Isn't that a joy? Can you just say, Jesus, I love you? Uh, That was a good warm-up. Let's try one more time. Jesus, I love you! you. What freedom is there in that? That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. And so I'm excited about today. Um, For those, again, that if this is your first time that's with us over the last several weeks, we have been teaching through a passage out of the Bible, Psalm 23, and of course we know that the passage is one of the most popular portions of Scripture. In fact, it's, it's cited and quoted in movies and TV and, and many different songs, uh, bo- both Christian and secular. You, 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 you tend to hear Psalm 23 come up in a lot of different settings. And the Lord's really given us insight over the last several weeks into this passage and uh, I even want to encourage uh, you, feel free to go back and, and, and listen to some of our prior teachings. Today doesn't really lean to really be able to reteach a lot of the stuff, though we'll reference some things, um, but the Lord's given us some really incredible insight to Psalm 23 and how it relates and pertains to who we are uh, in this life in Christ, and, and we we quickly gather that in Psalm 23 the passage is really dealing with a shepherd and his sheep and how that relates to us is the shepherd meaning the good shepherd is the Lord and the sheep is us the Bible says that we are the sheep of his pasture somebody say his pasture Thank God it's his pasture because if we were left up to our our own efforts, our pastures would probably be absolutely desolate. We would probably be overgrazed and and we would just be in a place not really being able to... uh, enjoy and encounter the fullness that comes in Christ and Christ alone that's why the abundant life it's in Jesus he's the way the truth and the life if there was other ways other pastures then we would go to them and unfortunately there is some theologies that say there is more than one way but I'm here to tell you church there is no other way to the father except through Jesus amen and so we've been in this passage and we're going we're to continue today. And uh, I'm excited because on this Freedom Sunday, we're going to be talking about the table. And over this period of time, our journey has started in a sheepfold, the sheep pen, where the sheep were gathered together where the flock was. And they've made this, this journey from a sheepfold all the way to a place that we call the table. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. But real quick, I just want to lift this time up together in prayer today as we get ready to go into this thing. And Father, again, we thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for the joy and the freedom that we have in being able to worship you. We thank you, Lord, that this independence, God, let us not take it for granted, but every single day, every single moment, let us look to you trusting, knowing that you are the one who is the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, your heart is that you would continually and constantly lead us to live the abundant life that comes in you because you are the way. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, continue to accomplish your perfect work in this place today. Again, Lord, my prayer is the way that we came, let us not leave the same. But Father, let's leave with a fresh encounter with you today, that we would leave with greater freedom today because you are greater, and so, Lord, open our hearts and open our minds, and as we lean into your word, Father, let it be life-changing and life-producing, and Father, we will give you all the glory, we will give you all the honor, and we'll give you all the praise, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, it's only fitting, as you see down here, that there is a table, and I'm pretty excited about it because I told them, don't tell me what you're going to put on the table, just surprised me, Um, although I was told in the back before I came out that there is a table that has been prepared and placed with steak, so to the men's promo, you can't have a table without meat, (laughs) so I'm excited about that. But we have a table that, 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 that's that been prepared. We have a table that is right here. And, and even if I can um, ask our, our team to, I might need a seat for this, uh, a chair for this to be able to sit at the table. Um, but I want to draw our attention really quick to what the passage says in Psalms. And then from here, what we're going to do is, is we're going to see how the table relates and plays its part in our life as, as believers. And so if you can, turn with me this morning to our passage that we've been reading from at of Psalms 23. In Psalm 23, I'm going to take it from the top today and bring us into verse 5, which what we'll focus on. And the Bible says this in Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it runs over. As we look into this passage today, in verse 5, the Bible says... That you have prepared a table before me. The you that is being focused on in this is that in which the Lord has prepared a table for you. And I think it's important to understand, first and foremost, that there has been a table that the Lord has prepared for you. And many of us, We live our life searching for tables to sit at, and if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves at the wrong table and not at the place that the Lord has prepared for you. And oftentimes, the reason why we don't sit at the table that the Lord has prepared for us is because for some reason, we don't think that we're welcome to sit at the Lord's table. But when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for some. He didn't die for the religious. He didn't die for the good. He died for all. So everyone has a right to sit at the table. There is a story in the Bible out of 2 Samuel in chapter 9 in which there is this moment where David says, is there Anyone that I can show kindness to? Is there anyone in the house of Saul? Saul was David's adversary. Saul was the one that was king before David. Though David was anointed to be king, he refused to touch. Saul, because he knew that the Lord still had anointed Saul, and so if you track through the life of David, many of the Psalms and what David is talking about in dealing with enemies and adversaries is primarily noted through his time when him and King Saul were at odds with one another. Now Saul is dead. Saul's family begins to die off. But David had a godly relationship with one of Saul's sons, whose name was Jonathan. They had a healthy soul tie. They were connected. They had a godly relationship. Now Jonathan is dead as well. And David says, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? I want to actually look at this passage for a moment. And I want you to see this as we... Gain our our direction for today. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 1. He says, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so he inquires his servants and they bring word back to him. And they begin to find out that there is one son, Jonathan's son, whose name is Mephibosheth. And what we begin to see here is that in verse 3, they say that there is a son of Jonathan who is lame at his feet. He's crippled. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, in the house of Machir, there is a son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David said, Then King David sent him and brought him out of the house from Lodabar. Verse 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself, and said to David, and and David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. Verse 7, So David said, Do not fear, I will surely show you kindness for jonathan your father's sake and will restore you all the land of your of of saul your grandfather and you shall eat the bread of my table continually do you see that you shall eat of the bread at my table continually you say pastor why are you noting this story And the reason for it is because there is a table that is prepared for everyone. And Mephibosheth is one that on the surface looks like he has no right to the table. In fact, the Bible notes that he is from a place called Lodabar. And Lodabar means a pastureless place. But isn't it very fitting that David said, is there anyone I can show kindness to? And he is willing to move. Mephibosheth from a pastorless place to a pastorful table that is filled for him continually. And I come to squash the argument in your head today... That regardless of your background, regardless of your situation, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of whatever it is that you've gone through, that the Lord has a table prepared for you. And he wants to take you from a pastureless place. He wants to move you from Lodabar to a loaded table that is prepared for you. Now the Bible says that Mephibosheth, he was lame at his feet for when he was a baby... And when the enemy invaded the house of Saul, his nurse that was carrying him as a baby dropped him, and he was crippled at the feet. He could not walk. And it's interesting because anytime you look at anybody sitting at a table, what do you see? Not their feet. You see them from the table up. But if you happen to peek underneath the tablecloth, dare I say that everybody has a story sometimes all that we look at is what's going on above the table and we don't realize the journey that it took to get from the valley to the table so don't look at those that are around you and say well they're privileged they're well off they had it better everyone's got a story underneath the table And Mephibosheth was given an opportunity in a rite of passage to sit at the king's table continually. And I'm here to tell you that whatever has tried to cripple you, whatever has tried to knock you down, whatever valley that you've been trekking through, you still have a right to sit at the king's table. Because the abundant life is for everyone. Say Everyone. So the table that's been prepared is for everyone. Now I think it's very important though for us to understand though, what is the table in relationship to the shepherd and his sheep? Because over these several weeks we've been talking about this idea of shepherd leading his sheep through the context of shepherding. And we've seen parallels in how that works in the life of a believer. But I want to tell you this, that the fascinating part about shepherd leading his sheep is that once they break through the valley, once they break through the dark place, once they break through the squeeze, once they break through the challenging, difficult, hard journey, the shepherd gets them to a place on the side of a mountain that is called the table. And the table is actually really rich and lush and, and green and, and there's, there's, there's lots of shrubs and, and different things for the sheep to be able to eat. At the table there is many different watering holes that the sheep can be able to drink from. The table is a place that they can find rest and reprieve. And, and in fact it's at the, the table is where the sheep really begin to learn the voice of the shepherd. Because all the way up until this point, they've been on a very strict journey. And so it's required the shepherd to have to lead them step by step. Yea, though I walk through the valley, step by step. But there's something about the table that now the shepherd can have a time where he can be more personal and intimate with the sheep getting to know them and them getting to know him. Him. The table is a place where the shepherd's presence is truly felt. When you're at the table of the Lord, it's the place where you get to encounter his presence. It's where you truly feel the presence of the Lord. When we were in a worship at the table, what happened? We truly felt the presence of the Lord in this place. When you're sitting around a dinner table, what is the purpose? That you can feel the presence of one another that is at the table. The table is all geared around presence. And so as a shepherd leads the sheep to this table, the thing that's important to understand is that they don't just get to the table and enjoy it. The table has to be prepared. That's why he says that you prepare a table. When? Before me. I'm here to encourage you this morning that there are things that you've been complaining to God about. Why is it that I haven't encountered this blessing, encountered this breakthrough, but what you did not know is that the Lord has been going before you preparing what you're about to encounter. And the Lord's not going to lead you to something that he can't put his name on it because he leads you on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we serve a good God who loves you, who wants to bless you with good blessings and good things. And so he needs to make sure that the table is prepared the right way. Has anyone ever gone out to eat before and you were led to a table that had some crumbs and stickiness on it? And a table that I want to sit at. Some of y'all tables at home are still like that. You got dried mashed potatoes from Thanksgiving still on the side. (laughs) Might want to clean that up real quick. It's gross. (laughs) But the Bible says that he goes before you and prepares the table. What a shepherd does is at this point in the journey, he goes before the sheep and he prepares the table. How does the shepherd prepare the table of the sheep? He enters into this pasture and he begins to unblock or clear out the watering holes that's been overgrown from previous seasons. He begins to scatter new seed to create new growth for the sheep to be able to eat from. And he begins to sift through the pasture to make sure that there are no predators that can easily come and attack the sheep. So he goes before the sheep and he begins to prepare the table so that when they arrive, they are in a place now that they can drink, that they can eat, that they can live and move and have their being. You follow me this morning? When we set a dinner table... We go before the guests arrive and we prepare the table. We clear out all of the maybe stickiness that was left. If you're hosting a dinner party, I highly doubt you're, you're going to have your guests sit at the table that is still looking the same from the night before. <laughs> In some cases, we don't always clean our table every night. We clear it, but do we actually clean it? It's two different things going on there. But you would never have a dinner party and bring people over to an unclean table. So what do you do? You prepare the table. What are you preparing the table for? I want to give you three quick things of how, you're, how, how the, number one, the good shepherd is preparing the table of the pasture. How kings prepare the table for the guests for the dinner party. But what is he preparing it for? He's preparing it, number one, for provision. Because you are not going to sit at a table and there's no food. I'm sorry. If you invite me over for a dinner party and there's no food, I'm not looking to play spades with you. (laughs) I'm coming to eat. So provision. So the table is prepared for provision. The next thing, the table is prepared for fellowship. I hate eating alone. Now, maybe for some of you, that's your thing, and that's cool. But if I'm going to eat, I, I, I want to eat, I want to dine, I want to be around family and friends and, and people That I know there will be what I would call fellowship. The word fellowship means the exchange of life. I want a fellowship with people that I can exchange life. The iron that sharpens iron. The the life that gives and the life that receives. I like being around people that when I walk away, I feel energized. Fellowship is so necessary, particularly in the body of Christ that we do life with one another, we are not greater individually, we're greater together. The church is not about a building and the church is not about one individual, the church is the people of God that come together. So the fellowship, the exchange of life, so I have the table prepared so that there can be the exchange of life, fellowship. The last thing is, tables are prepared for safety. See, what do you mean safety? In my household, I set the table with provision, knowing there will be fellowship. But while I'm at the table, my family, my children, it's a safe place. It's a place because mom and dad are at the table. It's a place because as we gather around it, you feel the comfort of one another. It's a safe place. So the table is set for provision, for fellowship, for safety. You catching this this morning? Cuz we have to know why is there a table that is being prepared. And so when I understand that the table is set for provision, for fellowship, for safety, then how I understand that the table is a place where I can get filled. Relationships are forged and my life becomes free. With provision, I get filled. With fellowship, relationships are forged, strengthened. And when I'm at a place that I know is safe and comfortable, I can be free. You ever take somebody and you put them at a dinner party of people that they have never really gotten to know before, everyone clams up and gets tight. But y'all know when y'all start to have your family dinners, maybe for the holidays or birthdays, everybody cuts up. You feel free to be you. Because it's a safe place. The Lord wants you to be free to be you. Not a version that you think somebody needs to see. Which Let let me help somebody with this this morning. Stop trying to manage the image of yourself in someone else's head. We get so caught up about what people think about us that we start to run narratives in our brain about what they think, how we're supposed to react, and how we're supposed to respond, and we don't act like ourselves and who God's called us to be. So stop trying to manage the image of yourself in someone else's head. And if they've got a problem, it's their problem. Hence the table in the presence of my enemies. Yeah, but they're my friend, frenemies. And so at the table, it's a place that I'm filled, it's a table, it's where relationships are forged at the table, it's a place that I am free. When the shepherd prepares the table, he knows the sheep are going to be filled from the drinking wells that are made available. He knows that the the sheep are going to be filled from the fresh green pasture. He knows that at the table, it's a place where relationships are going to be forged between the shepherd and the sheep. He knows that at the table, it's a, it's a place that they feel is safe. Because everybody knows that at the table, there is always a place that is called the head of the table. Can I talk to you about the head of the table for a moment? Because at every table, there is always a head. Now, in the pasture, the head of the table is the area that surrounds 360 degrees the entire pasture and so what the shepherd does is he makes sure he makes sure that he he is moving around the head of the table to ensure the protection and the safety of the sheep if he sees predators he knows how to move them away if he spots that there's some areas that's not as green as it should be for them to be fed, he goes and he scatters seed. At the head of the table, he makes sure that life is flowing. It's the head of the table that makes sure that, the, that, that life continually flows. When you're at a dinner table, it's always the head of the table that, that, that ensures the time together is what it needs to be. And in fact, you don't even have dinner or a meal when the head of the table is not there. And so what we see is that the shepherd, he will move around the green pasture, he'll move around the table, ensuring and making, and, and making it possible for the sheep to a- a- enjoy everything that the table has to offer. At the dinner table, we have a, head that sits. The Bible talks about a dinner table or a table. And I'd like to present to you today that the table is really the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that table has a head, which is Christ. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Somebody say, in everything. Now, wives, I'm going to help you out this morning. This passage says, submit to your husband as to the Lord. But, husbands, I'm gonna charge you today that your wives are able to submit based upon the conditions you create. I shared this in the opening week of this passage. The shepherd makes sure that the sheep are free from four conditions fear, famine, filth, and friction. He makes sure that the sheep are not afraid, he makes sure that they're not in famine, that they're filled, that they're not in want, that they're not in lack. He makes sure that they are not filthy. He makes sure that they're clean and he keeps them free from friction. So husbands, you have a responsibility if your wives are going to submit. And if you are not operating according to the culture or the kingdom culture of those conditions, it's going to be really hard for your house to prosper. But when the husbands are acting as the head of the table the way that they should, then wives, you've got no reason to fall in line. It goes together. I love this. I was on a phone call earlier with one of our ministers, Gary Wilder, the, earlier this week, and we were talking about how, how men are reestablishing their position as the, as the head. And our joke was this: The reality is, is that we might be the head, but wives are the neck. If you ain't have the neck to support the head, it ain't going nowhere, and ain't nothing getting done. It works together. So before men we get all this bravado of I'm the savior of my house, let's understand what savior means or who the savior is. It's Christ Jesus and that's why in the following passage he says now you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid her life down for her. How did he lay his life down for the church? He laid himself down by denying himself, picking up his cross, dying to himself. And so men, before you get all hot and bothered and have to prove your point in the house, go understand what Christ did is he died to self. I know I'm not going to get many amens on this. Because men don't want to hear this. But as the high priest of your household, you have a responsibility to the table. Because if you're not acting as the high priest of your house, stop complaining about what your children are doing or not doing. Stop complaining about what your wife is doing or what she is not doing. You have to create the kingdom culture for those conditions to stick, that there is no fear, that it is a house that is filled, filled not just with food on the table, but the food around the table, the word of God in the fellowship and the relationship so that we can have godly households. As Joshua says, me and my house will serve the Lord. Well, how are they serving the Lord? He is creating a kingdom culture where there is no fear, there is no famine, there is no filth. Check your TV screens, no filth. Check your phones, no filth. Men, you have a responsibility not just to yourself, but to protect your children and to protect your wives. You gotta protect the household and make sure that the filth is not getting in. And if it is, you better go get your spiritual Windex and wipe it off. You get them potato smudgy fingers off the table. Get that junk out. But at the same time, the bride of Christ has a responsibility as well. Because John says in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 and 7, That at the marriage supper of the lamb, the bride prepares herself and makes herself ready. So the head of the table makes sure that the table's prepared, but nobody shows up to a dinner party unput together. Just a mess. Ladies, would you show up to a dinner party with no makeup on? I'm just going to let, I'm letting that settle for a second. Well, I'm trying this new natural thing. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't show up to a dinner party not dressed. I don't know what kind of dinner party you're going to if you are. <laughs> Free from filth. But Revelation says that the, the bride makes herself ready. So while the table's being prepared, you need to prepare yourself to sit at the table. And so what we find out here in Ephesians 5 is that Christ is the head. He's the head of the table. Now I want you to to, to hang with me as we look at this this morning. This this is powerful. He says in verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. As he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her through the washing of the word. That he might sanctify and cleanse her as the washing of the word. So, when I show up to the table, I want to make sure that when I'm at the table, I've prepared myself. But the host of the dinner party, the table head, wants to make sure that you're prepared as well. Have you ever been... In a restaurant or a setting that when you arrived at the table, they handed you one of those wet cloths? I love this. Um, both me and my dad, we do this. I don't think he knew that I did it, but I do it as well, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. Um, when we show up to places where you get those wet cloths, you know how it's all rolled up? And they hand them to you, and it's nice and hot, and wet. So we'll take it, and you know, if you gave me a wet cloth, I'm not just wiping my hands. Look, I'm a bald guy. A lot of oil and grease builds up on this dome. So I like to make sure that it's nice and shiny and, and feeling tight to the touch. So we'll be handed these claws and we'll, we'll wipe our face. I got no shame. But it's great because if they serve them hot, I put on my face, I'll go, ah! Sorry for those watching online, that probably hurt your ears. It burned my face! You know, and I love watching like the waitress reaction. Oh my goodness, sir. No, I'm just messing with you. It's good, it's good, it's good. In ancient customs, when when guests would arrive at the dinner table, they would do the same thing, but it wouldn't be a wet cloth. What the cloth would have in it is oils. It would have herbs and remedies. And so they would hand them these cloths and what would happen is they would begin to wipe their face from the long journey Even though that they're dressed and prepared for the table, they would still have a long distance to travel. And so the head of the table wanted to make sure that they were refreshed and prepared for what was about to take place. So he would give them these wet cloths that would have oil in it and they would begin to wipe their head. In some instances, the heads of the table would actually pour the oil over their head. You anoint my head with oil. When sheep would arrive to the table to the pasture to the green place that is prepared for them the first thing that the shepherd does is he anoints the sheep's head with oil before they enter into the table. And the reason for it is because the oil does several things for the sheep, just as oil would do several things for the guests that would sit at the table, just as the oil will do several things as Christ is our head and his oil begins to flow upon our life. And the first thing is is that the oil, it would cleanse. It cleanses. For the sheep, there would be bugs and parasites that would land on their noses and they would begin to hatch eggs and those eggs would get up into their noses and it would create contamination in the sheep and so coming off of a long journey the shepherd knew this and so he would make sure that they would be oiled up so that those parasites those bugs could not remain contaminating the sheep he would cleanse them the oil would cleanse Much like in our life as believers, when when we have lived our life that has just been absolutely filled with sin and filth and junk that doesn't belong, the oil that flows from the Lord, it begins to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When people would sit at the table and dine, the oil, it would cleanse the dirt from their face from the long travel. The oil, it cleanses the oil also soothes has anyone ever been out in the sun for a long period of time and you get sunburn what do you do you put that aloe oil and it soothes it it makes it feel good well when travelers would travel for the long period of time and they would sit down at the table the oil that would come from the cloth or that would be poured out of the oil jar it would soothe it would create comfort the sheep, in the same way, after a long journey, they would get lots of cuts and scrapes and, and bumps The oil. It would soothe the sores. In our life as believers, we go through challenges and we go through difficulties. And we, there's a lot of battles and different things that we walk through. But when you let the oil of the Lord begin to soothe and come upon your life, he'll give you peace. He'll give you prosperity. He'll bring you to a place that you're anxious for Nothing. The oil of the Lord, it begins to soothe. And the last thing that the oil would do is the oil would heal. As sheep would travel, they would get these sores that would be open and it would create scabs. And the thing that's really important about this is that scabs is very, very, very contagious. Scabs makes you very irritable to the point that when the shepherd would try to put the oil on the sheep, they would run because they didn't want to be touched. Some of us, we... Allow life to mess us up. And instead of running to the anointing, we run away from the anointing. And we get away from the things of God. But there's a problem with that. It's because scabs is contagious. The wounds are contagious. And as you're running from the things of the Lord, you become contagious to those that are around you. Have you ever been in a situation where you weren't living your life right for the Lord? Or maybe you messed up. And you're around another believer that's all fired up. But you're just continuing on in your ways, and you know better, but you're continuing on in your ways. It's a matter of time till that person that's around you starts to become just like you, or vice versa. You become just like them. And the shepherd understands that I need to get the oil applied to the sheep. In fact, the shepherd takes the sheep's head and he submerges it into oil so that it can create healing. And there's some of us that we've allowed offense and anger and bitterness to become the scabs of our life. And that becomes very, very contagious, especially in church world. But if we don't allow the anointing to flow and to heal and to cleanse and to restore us, we're going to find ourselves in a place absolutely broken, contaminated, and far from who God has called us to be. There is something about the oil That begins to flow. The Bible says in Psalms 133, it says that the oil begins to flow from the beard of Aaron down to the skirt. But catch this, verse 1, it says that those who dwell in unity, it's the unified body of Christ. And in fact, at a dinner table, nobody can partake of any of the food, have any of the drink until everyone's been anointed at the table. And we come to church and we want blessings from God, but we are bothered with others. And until we are funneled together as one under the unity of the anointing, we can't see the full measure of what God wants to do. It's the oil that flows. And when the oil begins to flow and the cleansing, the healing, the soothing begins to take place, the head of the table says, now, let's fill the cups up. Let's drink this is Welch's grape juice. Yes, it is. We'll find out. The cup. It's amazing. Wow, they got filet mignon on here. Well, if this is what we're doing, guys, let's move this napkin. I got three of them, so. <laughs> Can someone get Gino a seat at the table? Brother, wipe yourself down real quick. We're getting you a chair. I got another one on here too. I see that hand. That's like a preacher's favorite line to say. I see that hand. Come on up. Well, guys, we're just going to move my Bible down to this table. That's a good day for you. You too, Sylvester. This is awesome. Well, guys, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. How's that? How's that? I'm, a, I'm being a good, I'm being a good table head right now. Which one do you want? You want the big one? I'm gonna. You, you're bigger than me, so let's do that. Look at that. Let's, let's get that. Let's get, watch that napkin right there. You don't want to get that prematurely dirty. You're going to need it afterwards. Freedom Sunday. My God, and it's season two. Come on, Ish. Is that yeah? Yeah. Ish, thank you. Wait, did your wife make it? She made it. You're just collecting the credit the head and the neck it's inseparable thank you tish i'm just going to set this over here but isn't it interesting right at the table the table's prepared we got a cake too we got salad we got fruit i was told that was mashed potatoes so let's get it on this side i knew mashed potato fingers was going to come somewhere out of this deal oh caught that always on point This is good. This is a real it is a real knife. Y'all's are plastic. Mine's a real blade. But That's a real fork. Oh, thanks for giving me the real one. Wow. This is awesome. If y'all want to take a praise break, feel free. <laughs> It's cool. Let me get you some taters, man. Hey, get a little of that on there. That's what we doing. Guys, we're there. We're going there. Those who dwell in unity, the blessing of life is commanded. Thank you, Lord. You like how none of us has touched that salad? We'll take that home for you, babe. Mm. Wow. You guys enjoy that for a second. Feel free. You might need to bring some home to your families. I got you, (laughs) Rancine. So the fascinating part, though, is no one can partake of the dinner table until the oil flows. That's why David says, you anoint my head with oil creates the cleansing, the soothing, the healing. The full measure of what the Lord wants to do in your life is the result of us being cleansed, comforted, and healed. It's the gospel, man. The gospel. The gospel of Christ Jesus is to save you, to heal you, to deliver you. That's what Psalm 23 is illustrating when you get to the table. Um, I I am before the tablehead, the presence of the Lord... He's cleansed me. He's healing me. God doesn't want you at the table broken, nothing broken, missing, or lost. So he wants to get you to a place that when you're at the table, you can enjoy to the fullest everything the table has to offer. Then he says, but my cup runs over. Now in pastures, as the shepherds would uncover the watering holes, it would allow the springs to begin to fill up with water and as the springs would fill up with water they would almost pool over the top and the sheep would come up and they would drink my cup runs over at the table though when i'm sitting at the table and i've got the cup at the table and i'm talking about like a really good dinner party the cup doesn't stop being poured into the moment that it looks like it's a little getting a little low what do they do they come over and they can i top that off for you well yes you can can I fill that up? Why, yes, you can. It doesn't stop. It keeps flowing. And when I'm at the table of the Lord, the blessing, what God wants to do, he wants to continually prosper. He doesn't want to get you to one level and, and, and cap you off. We can continue to go to greater levels. The cup, it continues to overflow. So he wants to, oh, you got one, you got one too. You got a glass. He, want, he wants to fill it up. He wants it to continue to, they're enjoying it. He wants it to continue to be at full capacity and to think that we would dine at tables where we couldn't enjoy full capacity. For you to think that the promises of God is meant to only be at one level. To think that God could only heal you and not bless you or bless you and not heal you. God is in the business of healing, of blessing, delivering every single thing that he accomplishes He's to full. So why would he not overflow? Even Jesus understood this in John chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana. They ran out of wine. Not on the Lord's watch. His mother said, do whatever he tells you. And he tells the servants, go pour water into the six purification vessels, hand-washing stations. And when they poured the water into those vessels, water went in and wine came out. The Lord's not going to leave you unfulfilled. He wants to fill your cup up to overflowing. Don't limit God and what He can do in your life. But what happens is we limit God in what He can do in our life because we begin to disqualify ourselves. We begin to think we're not good enough. We begin to take on the Mephibosheth type of mindset. Who am I to sit at the king's table? He even made the statement, I'm but a dog in your presence. And he said, no, you will sit at the table continually and eat of my bread. But we, we, we come up with these ideas and these theologies as if we no longer have an invitation at the table. And friends, I'm here to tell you that your invitation was the moment that Jesus said it is finished. He spoke the invitation. And it's a matter of you receiving the invitation and knowing you have a right at the table. Every good and perfect thing, it comes down from the Father of lights, who does not cast a shifting shadow. He doesn't change his mind just because you had a hard day, just because you had a tough season, just because you feel like you're not cutting it, just because you feel like you got behind. You still have an invitation at the table. It's not too late. And so we're at the table. But the interesting thing is David says, in the presence of my enemies... Now for today, bear with me, I'm so sorry. I love you all. You're a beautiful group of people, but in this moment right now, y'all are our enemies. (laughs) Come on, didn't even break a stride. Y'all the presence, you're the enemy presence in our life. Everybody has the presence of enemies in your life. We have enemies of guilt. We have enemies of shame. We have enemies of addiction. We have uh, uh, en- enemies of falling short. We have enemies of, of of offense. We have enemies that are all these things that is surrounding us. And I want to present to you that the enemies that are surrounding you, when David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies the enemies are the distractions and the devil knows if he can keep you distracted with your addiction if he can keep you distracted with your brokenness if he can keep you distracted with your mess you'll never be able to enjoy the seat at the table and so many of us are getting up from the table because we got distracted we prematurely conclude our time at the table because the phone rang, because someone knocked on the door, because something happened. The enemy at the pasture of the sheep is the cougars and the wolves that are surrounding. But the head of the table, by the way, has the greatest vantage point. He can observe and see everything that's going on, making sure that the presence does not become a reality. And when you understand that you've got the presence of the king surrounding you, that presence might feel real, but it does not have to be your reality. And so the king surrounds us. The king has observation. The king can see and he can make sure that the servants are doing the things that they need to do at the table. I want to share this story with you. A couple months ago, Brother John Avanzini was with us. And many of you know that Brother John, he's a, he's a dear friend of the ministry. He's... he's, he's been a mentor to Bishop. He's played a significant role in me and my wife's life, and and, and he was here with us as we were preparing to go into the new year, uh, and he was in in our uh, ordination service when me and my wife were ordained as the senior pastors, and so he was he came in early and wanted to go to dinner, and so I took him to dinner, and we were sitting at the dinner table, and we begin to just. Enjoy the the food that was brought to the table and the fellowship that was going on around the table. And we were in good company. I mean, our conversations, man, they were strong. They were safe. They were secure. They were free because everything was uplifting in what we were talking about. And we were talking about the kingdom of God. and, and And it was just an awesome time fellowshipping and being there together. Now, as we were getting ready to receive our entrees, Brother John was sharing a thought about the kingdom. And Brother John was sitting at the head of the table. And he saw the servant was coming. Or the server was coming. With the food. Now the food was really hot. I mean really, really hot. And he sees the server coming. And out of his ability to have this foresight, he says, Hold on a second, son. Because he was in the middle of saying something. See, It wasn't about being fed with the food that was on the table, but the food out of his spirit, the word of God that was filling our life. And if we weren't careful, we would have been distracted by the food, the natural food that was coming. Some of us, we get distracted by the natural things and we forfeit being able to receive the spiritual things and we wonder why our life is not greater. It's not that the server was an enemy, but enemies represent the distractions of your life. And he said, hold on a second. And he began to speak life in that moment that ministered to our hearts in our spirit. Don't allow the devil to distract you from the purpose and destiny that God has for you. The Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant, to be alert. The enemy is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he does not have to devour you if you are alert, if you are in a place that you're observing, that if you are in the ready position, so that as the enemy is creeping around, you can see his every move. You're not going to get distracted. I'm going to stay focused. He's in the presence of the enemies, but yet he is still delighting at the presence of the King. So here's David and he's sitting, he's sitting at the table and he's making this statement, you anoint my head with oil and your cup runs over. Church, there's no freer place to be than at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater freedom than to allow the anointing and the oil from heaven to flow into your life. There's no greater place than being at the presence of the king and knowing that your cup is overflowing because he's the good shepherd and he will not leave you in want. There's something beautiful about this picture because the table truly is the church. The table is not a church building. The table is who we are as believers coming together in the presence of the King. Now I want to conclude with this. I'm gonna ask our team to come up and I'm gonna go ahead and ask you gentlemen to, um, to, to head back to your seats. Was that good? Absolutely, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> we we it's a lot left. table somebody say the table the table is the to be in the presence of the king there's no greater joy than to be able to be in the presence of the king in the presence of the shepherd you know I didn't ask these guys to um give me anything to sit at the table, they were invited, I didn't, but you know the other night um, we were doing one of our life groups and we had food at the group and we had already gotten all the food together and one of the guys showed up and he had a bag in his hand And, and the bag was food And uh, I said, what are you doing, man? I said, I told you we were going to provide the food. The food's covered. He said, no one comes (laughs) to a gathering and doesn't bring something. It's not mandatory for you to bring something to the table, but it's a delight that when you know you're a part of something, that you can bring something significant as an offering See, the table is a place of God's presence. And what allows us to encounter the fullness of his presence is the fellowship. Some would call that prayer. Is the thanksgiving that I've got a seat at the table and I'm glad that I get to be a part of something. That's praise. When I can bring something and make a presentation at the table, it's not mandatory, but... My goodness, it's a joy. I want to tell you today, there's something powerful when you bring something to the table. When you're willing to make a presentation. Probably should have brought this out first because this looks good. But when I show up to the dinner party, when I show up to the table, and I say, hey, I'm going to bring this know if you had it or not but it doesn't matter I just know this I wanted to do something special I wanted to do something significant and I just I wanted to I wanted to set this at the table as we dine together as a table head or a host or a king it's honorable you feel honored when you give your freedom offering and you set it at the table The King is honored. I wanted to ask you this morning, as you prepared to come into this service today, did you prepare to bring something to set at the table before the King? There's nothing more honorable, more significant, more precious than me being able to take my offering and set it before the Lord. I came today to bring something and set it at the table today because I know that as if I bring mine and you bring yours and we all come together, there's nothing more unified in that moment than when we can sit and enjoy. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.